All right, so um, one of the things that I thoroughly enjoyed as a parent was teaching all three of my children how to play baseball. Obviously, when they were younger, um, it was a plastic ball and a plastic bat, only the bat was blue. But one of the things that I found myself saying to my children again and again as I was uh, trying to teach them the game was this very familiar statement that I think pretty much any parent who's teaching their child how to play the game of baseball will say, and it's keep your eye on the ball. That's right. And I would say that, especially at first, because I discovered that as I was pitching the ball to them, they weren't looking at the ball. They were looking at me. I was a distraction to them. So here's what I did. I literally did this with the ball. I would take the ball, and I'd say, see the ball? And they'd look at the ball and nod, and I'd say, okay, here it is. It's, you follow the ball. And I would move the ball around like this so, until I could see that they were tracking the ball with their eyes. And then I would pitch the ball because knowing that they were focused on the ball, I knew they were more likely to hit it. Again, because they kept their eye on the ball. About a year ago, we as a congregation adopted a new mission statement and set of core values. And then, of course, March hit and COVID-19 struck and pretty much everything blew up. And people got distracted. People were distracted trying to navigate uh, how to live in, in a new and, and different way. And as a church, we became distracted trying to provide worship online and provide school online and hold meetings online. It was nuts. Frankly, it's still nuts, but here we are, and in these next three weeks, what I would like to do, do is help us get our eye back on the ball, to help us refocus on what God, it is, what God is calling us to do, because frankly, pandemic or not, that calling has not changed. God still has the same design for us as a congregation that he has always had. So in Hebrews chapter 10, we read this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, but let us encourage one another. So what I'm going to do, my goal is to encourage us as a congregation, to spur us on as a church, to help us refocus our attention back on our mission, on our values, on our influence, and the affluence that we can use to the glory of God and the good of others. Now, last year, we also came up with this kind of cute saying, and Laura kind of alluded to it a little bit in her, her little message, and it's the statement, it's worth it. And this statement arose out of the whole idea that even though Jesus suffered and died on the cross for the sins of the world, and it was the most costliest payment ever made in the history of the world, to God, it was worth it. In 1 John 4 verse 10, it says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And the result is that by the Spirit's power and through faith, anyone, literally anyone, can enjoy God's gifts of grace and forgiveness and a blessing-filled relationship with Him. Right? And God wants that to happen for all people, to have this relationship with Him forever, because in His mind, it's worth it. So we looked at that, and we looked at our mission as a congregation. We discovered that the mission that we had as a congregation when we were founded and the mission that we have today is pretty much the same thing. Just word it a little differently. For the record, a mission statement answers the question, what is it that God is calling us to do? 
And so as we were looking at our mission as a congregation, we looked at our DNA as a congregation, you know, what, uh, what is it about our people and our ministries that make us unique from the other churches in the area and the surrounding communities? And what we discovered was that we believe God is calling us to help people to exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. Okay, that is our mission. That is what we believe God is calling us to do. And we are to be doing it because everyday life for way too many people is empty. It's mundane. It's routine. Uh, It can be painful and difficult. It can lack purpose and direction. So we believe that God is calling us to help people with that. To, to, as kind of Laura said, to, to make this exchange, to exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. Now I realize that in the midst of a pandemic, the word contagious may seem like an unfortunate word. (laughs) But I disagree. And I think it's the perfect word. Because it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It, It reminds you of the fact and me that our love, our joy, our peace, our power in Christ is to be contagious. And to the point where it spreads to the people around us. Right? To, 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 so they see it in how we act and talk and, and do life. Honestly, we, you know, the goal is for us to, to, infect, to infect other people with our love, our joy, our hope, so that other people will see it and want what we have, which is what? It's community. A community that certainly involves a relationship with Jesus, this dynamic, faith-filled, grace-filled relationship with Jesus as our Savior, but also a community with one another as Christians, where we are around each other to support and encourage and serve and love one another. The goal is for those people to see that and want that, where they in turn become contagious ultimately, and love and encourage and support and serve other people. See how it just kind of spreads? But the word contagious isn't the focal point. I think the area where I want us to refocus is on the word exchange. And again, it's kind of what Laura was saying. It's not a trade, and it's certainly not an even trade. But it is an exchange, and it's, it's an exchange for the everyday, for the eternal. An exchange of our broken, sinful life for life filled with mercy and hope and, and meaning and, and joy and power in Jesus Christ. And the, and the goal ultimately is for somebody to see that, to want it, to make that exchange and say, yes, it was worth it. It was. So that's the what. That is what we believe God is calling us to do, to help people exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. Now the next question is why? Those are our values. Okay, the values answer the question, why should we do what we are called to do? Why should we help somebody that we know and care about? Maybe it's somebody in our family. Maybe it's somebody that we see in our workplace. Maybe it's somebody that we see at our school. Maybe it's somebody in our neighborhood. It's just in our circle of friends. Why should we help them make this exchange? And there are uh, a couple of reasons. And it's because God offers, number one, a journey worth demonstrating. Number two, a jur- I'm sorry, a love worth demonstrating. Number two, a journey worth walking. Number three, a truth worth holding. Number four, a message worth sharing. And number five, a joy worth living. And in the time that I have left with y'all, what I'd like to do is help us get our eye back on the ball to refocus on these five core values. 
And to help us to focus on them, I have some props, because I love props. And so we have these little placards with icons representing each of those five values. Okay, five icons that you will, by the way, see on our website, on the homepage, but to help you refocus on why we are called, why we do what we do, why we want to help people make that exchange. Okay, the first reason why we want to help people ex- make this exchange is because God offers a love worth demonstrating. Oh my goodness, these are not in order. Well, they're in this order. There we go. A love worth demonstrating. There we go. <laughs> now that's a heart, and of course that represents love, and, and that's fantastic. God loves us, but what we need to understand is God doesn't just say that he loves us. He shows that he loves us. He showed it 2,000 years ago, didn't he? First John 4 verse 9 says, this is love. God, this is love. God showed his, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So, so God's love for you is not based on what you do or who you are or the fact that you showed up for church today or that you're watching right now online. It is based on the fact that God is love. So his love for you is based not on your performance, right, but on his character. So what does that mean? Well, 1 John 4, 9 gives us the answer. 4 verse 11 gives us the answer. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And obviously, there are all kinds of ways by which you can do that. Right? You can, you can show love to others by being sensitive to the needs of other people. And in this pandemic, this time of pandemic, there's, there's a lot of needs. There are physical needs, emotional needs, right? Relational needs, financial needs. You can be sent, show love by just being sensitive to those needs. You can also show love by sympathizing with somebody who might be going through a tough time. Maybe because of the pandemic, maybe not. But just taking, down, taking time to sit down and, and just listen to them. Talk to you about what they might be going through. You can show love by seeing a need when the opportunity arises and stepping in to help. Instead of waiting, thinking maybe somebody else will help them out or coming up with excuses as to why you shouldn't help, you step in and you help. And yes, it may cost you some of your time or some of your money or your energy or you know, maybe even your reputation. But that's okay because Jesus gave up his life so that we could be forgiven and saved. Right? That was the love that he demonstrated to us. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So the first area that I want us to refocus on, the first area where I want us to, to, to just refocus our attention as a, as a church body is to refocus our attention on love that we have that is worth demonstrating, where we in tangible ways demonstrate the love of God to those around us. Right, so that's what I want you to refocus on. And, and the reason why is as you do that, the hope is that they'll see you demonstrating God's love and they're gonna wanna know about that. They're gonna maybe want what you have and they'll be maybe even willing to make that exchange, to exchange their everyday life for contagious Christian community. All right, second 
the second reason why we have, um, our second reason why we want to help people make this exchange is because we have a journey worth walking. Okay, and so that one they put way over here. That's all right. So that icon is a map. A map, of course, is something you use when you drive or take a hike. More likely, you've got a phone, but, you know, back in the day, that's what, you know, it's, it's just to remind you that God has given you a path that he has called you to walk on as a Christ follower. And here's where I want you to refocus on. I want us to refocus our attention to the fact that God has called us to walk a path of passion, where we serve others the way Jesus came to serve us, right? In Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Be passionate about that. That's part of the journey that you're walking. Second, it's a path where you walk with love. And where you love people, not just the people who love you back, but the people who don't love you back, or can't love you back, or won't love you back. But you love them because God loved you even when you were unlovable. In Romans 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still unlovable, Christ died for us. It's also a path where we walk in humility, where we follow Jesus' lead, and we set aside our needs and our wants for the needs and the wants of others. It's a path where we walk with boldness, Right, the boldness of God's strength and power. Look at this verse, Ephesians chapter three. Says, Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So when it comes to this second area where I really want us to focus our attention on is this journey that God has laid out for us as his followers. And I realize there are distractions Right? We, we know there's probably going to be an election recount somewhere, but there's also the financial woes that we're dealing with, the, the job situation that we're dealing with. There's all these distractions. I want us to refocus our attention back on this journey that God has called us to walk. And to understand that as we walk this journey, again, somebody may see that and may want that and may want to exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. Third reason Third reason why we want to help people make that exchange is because we have a truth worth holding. There it is. Truth worth holding. Now the icon here is a book. What do you think this book represents? Tell me. The Bible. That's right. Good answer. Sunday school answer right there. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is God's word. God's word is not a bunch of fairy tales and fables, but it's power and truth. It has the power to remove guilt, to jumpstart faith, to transform a person's life. Hebrews 4 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So what I want you to do is I want you to refocus, I want us to refocus our attention on the fact that in God's word is power. Certainly has the power to create faith. Right? Whether it's at your baptism or through the witness of somebody else, God's word is like a seed that is planted in a person's heart and has the power to grow and bear fruit. God's word has the power to free you from shame and guilt. It can remind you that yeah, through the Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that your sins are forgiven and that you are saved by grace alone through faith alone. 
God's word also has the power to give you confidence and courage. So that when you're listening, like now, to a message, or when you're in your small group Bible study, or when you're with, you know, uh, your own, yourself in, you know, time of personal devotions, and you come to this point where you say, you know, I can do that. You recognize that's the word of God and its power activating your faith. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word has power. God's word has the power to tell us the truth about God, who he is and what he's done. Tells us the truth about what we should be doing with our lives, how we should be handling our emotions and our attitudes how we should be reconciling relationships that may be kind of messed up or kind of even difficult. God's word has the power to comfort and uplift us when we feel discouraged and distraught. Isn't that amazing? So here's where I want us to refocus our attention. I want us to refocus our attention on the fact that God's word has power. And because it is powerful, that means our attention should be learning and tapping into this power, right? How do you tap into it? You read it. You study it. You act on it. And again, the reason why is as people see that you've got this truth worth holding, they may want some of that power too. They may be led to exchange their powerless, empty lives for a contagious Christian community. A fourth reason why we want to help people make this exchange is because we have a message worth sharing. And that is represented by this message bubble. And in this particular case, there are two key areas of focus, two areas where I want us to really just refocus our attention. The first is on this phrase. It's a phrase that's big and long, substitutionary atonement. Substitutionary atonement is when a person takes your place, substitute, and then they pay the penalty for the crime that you may have committed, okay, that you committed. That's atonement. And here's how it plays out. All of us are sinners. Just quick show of hands. How many of you made at least one mistake? Yeah, yeah, there are a couple of hands in the other service. They didn't go up. I'm like, you guys made the mistake there because we got cameras and that's not true. <laughs> we all make mistakes. God, on the other hand, is holy and perfect and he's just. And because he is holy and perfect and just, he has to punish sin. And the punishment for sin is death. But it's not just physical death someday, you know, where you die. It's eternal death. It's eternal separation from God in a very real place called hell. And God can't stand the thought of us spending all of eternity apart from him in hell. So God provides substitutionary atonement. He allows Jesus to take our place, to take the punishment that is rightfully ours, the hell that we deserve. He took it on the cross so that we could be forgiven and stand before God absolutely blameless. That is a message worth sharing. But that leads me to the second key area of focus that I want us to, to zero in on, and it's this, those outside a relationship with Christ. And here's why I say that. All of you sitting here, and those of you watching right now online, I would argue that all of you have at least one person that you know, who they may know about Jesus and God, they may know about him, but they don't trust him. Right? They don't, they don't have a a dynamic, personal, saving relationship with him through faith. 
And again, this could be a person who's in your family. It could be somebody you see at work or at school or in your neighborhood. It could be anybody. But the point is you don't want them to go through life thinking that they can, just by who they are, what they do, get their way into heaven by themselves. Because that's not true. The only way is through Jesus. He's the only one who provided substitutionary atonement. And folks, that's a message worth sharing. That's a message worth sharing. <clears throat> so the area where I want us to refocus on when it comes to this, this icon, this fourth value, is to realize that we do have a, a life-changing, life-saving message. And it's not to be kept a secret. Right? It is a message worth sharing. And I think all of us have at least one person to whom we can share that. So that, again, by the work of the Holy Spirit, they will see them, the value of exchanging their lost everyday life for contagious Christian community. All right, one final reason why we believe we should help people in this exchange is because God offers a joy worth living. Obviously, there are times... There are going to be times in your life when you may not always... You guys are leaning over there. Okay, sorry. There, see, there you go. It's technology today. Obviously, there are times when you may not... Let me just replace it. There are going to be times when you not be, may not want to feel joyful. Or you may not be joyful. And it may be because good things that should happen don't. Or bad things that shouldn't happen do. But even in those moments, even in those moments, regardless of the circumstance, I would argue that because of Jesus, we have a truth that is worth living. We have a, I'm sorry, we have a joy that is worth living. And, and there are all kinds of reasons why we should be filled with joy. And those are, those are the areas where I want us to refocus here. We have the joy of knowing that Jesus is our Savior, right? That he lived and died and rose again for us. We have the joy of knowing that Jesus is our constant companion, that he is with us and he's working in even the most difficult circumstances to refine our faith, to strengthen our faith, and to help us hang in there and persevere. James 1 says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. There's joy in knowing that you can talk to your heavenly father about anything in prayer at any time. And there's joy in answer, those, those answered prayers, knowing that God answers your prayers. I don't know if you guys did this or not, but a couple, well, it was about a month ago, I, I, I challenged you to get a spiral notebook and put blessing book on it, and then just take time and each day just write out maybe how God has blessed you or how he has answered your prayers. So you know, I've been writing it down. There was a time when the Browns beat the Bengals. I was happy about that. A lot, of, a lot of, you know, very thankful for Carla. But, you know, it, what I did was I read through this. It's just been a month, and, and I read through this, and, and I just found myself filled with joy because I could see how God has been active in my life. There's joy in answered prayer. And there's joy in telling other people why you're joyful, right? Why you love the God of the universe. What he's done, how he protects you, how he blesses you. There's, there's joy when you... When, when, when you were able to share with somebody who was weighed down with guilt, that if they confess their sin and trust that Jesus died on the cross for that sin, that they will be set free from that sin. Right? There's forgiveness. There's peace. There's joy in that. 
In Philippians 4, we are told, rejoice in the Lord always. And I know, I know there are distractions. I get my eye off the ball too. I'm like all of you. But even in those distractions, which can keep, they, they might get you worried or, or upset or worked up or, or stressed out or fearful, I think it's important that we remember we have a joy worth living. And as we live out that joy, it could help somebody else. Who knows? It might help somebody else see that and want to make that exchange from a joyless everyday life to contagious Christian community. So let me just close by challenging you this week in a couple of ways. First, let me challenge you to connect with God by daily reading his word. You have a truth worth holding. Okay, get into that word. It is powerful. Read it, study it, let it guide you to a blessing-filled life. Second, I want you to follow God's lead by serving others no matter the cost. Right? You have a love worth demonstrating. Right? Show that love in tangible ways. And then third, love others by sharing the joy of Jesus. Have the be- we, we have the best news this world has ever known or heard. Let's not keep it a secret. It is a joy worth living and a joy worth sharing. Obviously, there are going to be distractions. Obviously, there are going to be times when we take our eye off the ball. Okay? In those moments, I want us to just ask God to keep our eyes focused or refocused on what it is that he has called us to do. And to realize that as we do that, there is a reason why. It is worth it, right? We have a joy that is worth living. We have a journey that is worth walking. We have a truth that is worth holding, a message that is worth sharing, and a joy that is absolutely worth living. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you for this series and for how you are working in our hearts and even right now, refocusing our attention back on what you have called us to do and why. Father, thank you for Jesus and for his forgiveness and sacrifice. Thank you for your love and grace for each and every one of us here and for, the, for all people everywhere. By your Spirit's power, help us to not only cling to the mission that you have called us to carry out, but to keep our eyes focused, fixed and, and focused on each of these values. Because it is worth it, Lord. It really is. So bless us in this endeavor. Lord, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' great name. Amen.